Hi, Mark. Hey, Jay. Hi, Cooper. Hello. Hi, Matt. Greetings. We are hopefully going to be joined by Dave. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Perfect time. Hey, what timing? Hi, David. Perfect. <laughs> oh, is he there? Oh. Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you. What did you talk about? Scapegoats, Gerard, or Ray P? <laughs> well, we can do all we can do all the above. We just started. Hi, David. How you doing? Good. Okay. So, as I was saying off stream, in preparation for these kinds of shows, what I typically do uh, the week of is try to download as much data into my brain, uh, just so I kind of have a general idea of what the hell we're talking about. Uh, this particular subject almost damn near killed me uh, because <laughs> when you get deep into seed oils and especially Ray Pete and all, all the rest of it, you start getting these terms that are completely foreign. Uh, I, I felt like I had to have a degree in molecular bio biology all of a sudden. Uh, so this show is hopefully going to be able to condense a lot of these ideas down to something that's a bit more manageable. Uh, I, we, I definitely encourage anyone who, if anything we say on the show uh, interests you, go down that rabbit hole. It's, it's deep and wild, man. Uh, like I said, I was just, it was turning me into Macho Man Randy Savage. The turn that I was like, Ooh, yeah, cream to the crop, put it in my cup. Like I was just, I was going nuts for a bit. But um, so I'll ask the panel here, David uh, Gronowski, Matt Erickson, Cooper, uh, Cooper Brooks. Uh, what the heck is a PUFA? Anyone who wants to start? Is a polyunsaturated fatty ass is what most Americans are today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we yeah. got that way because we've been fed corn, we've been fed seed oil sludge, and uh, we've been fed uh, hybridized, you know, alien wheat, and we've been used as a guinea pig uh, to export. Uh, whatever they've gleaned from what they can feed us um, to the rest of the world. And um, polyunsaturated fatty asses, which is what we've made of ourselves, is a result of, uh, you know, eating polyunsaturated fatty acids. And it was created by, um, well, we all have PUFA in all the foods. Well, not all the foods, but a lot of foods have minuscule amounts of it. And, um, you know, Ray Pete and a lot of his followers believe that you probably don't even need this type of fat. You possibly, you know, because your own body, you know, produce, produces its own type of omega fat called mead acid uh, when you're deficient in these so-called essential fatty acids. So um, anyways, these, uh, these, these fats are what comprise most of what you see in vegetable oils and and so um, you know you have saturated fat you have monounsaturated fat and then you have polyunsaturated fat and saturated fat is going to be stuff that's going to be natural uh, foods that humans have eaten for you know thousands of years that's going to be your butter your coconut oil your um you know, your uh, tropical oils like palm oil. Um, and then monounsaturated fat is going to be things like olive oil. And monounsaturated fat is also found, you know, in certain proportions 
and a host of other foods, you know, like beef fat has it, butter has monounsaturated fat. These vegetable oils that people sell um, are, they have some monounsaturated fat in them. And, um, and the, and the, and here's the way I like to look at it with saturated fat. You have, you know, it's interesting to think about like, where did the cattle come from? For example, I want to, this is what, I, this is what I've been thinking about a lot. Like cows came from like India, right? The, the, or a lot of the cows that we think of the ancient cattle breeds, there were zebus, right? It's kind of like a tropical climate. And then you think of like the type of, uh, you know, plants like coconut uh, trees and palm trees. Those are also tropical climates. And so all three of those are rich in saturated fat. And I think that when you eat these saturated fats, it basically is sick. When you eat a large proportion of saturated fats as your fat um, consumption in your diet, it's basically uh, like an environmental cue telling your body that you're living in a tropical type climate where fruits and foods will be abundant. There won't be a, a harsh winter where scarcity will be there. And so your body is going to have a lean body mass, you know, kind of um, metabolic system to reflect the environmental cue of consuming a large amount of saturated fat for your, your fat needs. However, when you go into places like, you know, PUFA, polyunsaturated fats, these fats are going to be primarily cold weather climate, you know, seeds like canola and, um, mm. you know, uh, Brad Marshall talks about, uh, acor he's a genetics geneticist and, researcher in this space is a friend of mine. He talks about acorns, you know, having a lot of PUFA in it and how, you know, the Native Americans used to eat acorns, but, you know, they would scoop off the uh, the high PUFA fat from the acorn and replace it with like animal fat or lard. Um, but PUFA is going to be signaling to your body that the environment is uh, a place where there's going to be a, a harsh winter. Well, food will be scarce. You won't be able to have a mango, you know, you know, you're not going to be able to have bananas. You're not going to have these foods. And so you need to store up fat so that you can burn fat uh, through the winter. And the problem with Americans that we eat this poof of fat at such a primary level on a daily basis that we're telling our bodies that winter is coming every day and to get into a state of torpor which is where your body prepares for hibernation. It's sleepy, it's weak, it's, it's thyroid, slows down, everything slows down, everything gets sleepy and weak and estrogenic and all these things. And you want to sleep and you want to lay around all day, you have fatigue and you're groggy and you're, and you're just ready to go to a long slumber for winter, but winter doesn't really come in that way uh, in the modern world. You know, we have you know, air conditioning and heating and so forth. We have foods that we can get from around the world. So we're constantly telling our body that winter is here every season, every day of the year, all our lives, starting when we're children, uh, and even before when we're in the womb, our, our, what our mothers eat, if it's high in PUFA, will go into our breast, to the, to the breast milk and, and the development of, the, of our, us even in the womb and switch on certain genes that are going to be more torpor friendly. And all of this is basically uh, creating us, setting us up for a, a, a type of uh, obesogenic, you know, obesity, metabolic, dysfunctional, um, you know, state of chronic illnesses that we're all uh, faced with if we live in Western society. Right. 
That makes a lot of sense because I've, I mean, I've heard about this for years and I've always, you know, the difference between like uh, the HDL and LDL cholesterol and then getting your, your, your saturated fats versus unsaturated fats. Like I've, I've only ever eaten like olive oil, avocado oil and, and butter, natural things, but I never heard why, like, why is it that oil from plants is, is terrible for you? And I don't know if, is this like something that's been scientifically established or is that just kind of the theory behind why they have such a toxic effect other than just, I know I've heard like different boiling points or that they're actually rancid. So your body can't absorb it. Like what's the sort of, do you, do you know what's the well, plants don't want to be eaten? Plants don't want right. to be eaten. So they're going to put everything in their seeds. They're going to make those seeds protected the most. So there's a lot of anti-nutrient effects that seeds have chemical phytochemicals that they have. Um, but uh, uh, in general, these what it takes to make like vegetable oil, like it takes like, here's like, what is it? One tablespoon of, of like corn oil as 96 ears of corn, right? The amount of right. oil you would get from eating 96 ears of corn is what you get in one tablespoon of corn oil. And, and most humans are in America are eating way more than that in terms of they're eating several tablespoons uh, of, mm. of seed oil a day. Right. So imagine how Frankenstein, like, you know, eating that much amount of, you know, you couldn't do it. You couldn't eat that many. And that goes for all the different, whether it's soybean oil, cottonseed oil, rapeseed oil, uh, safflower, sunflower, all these different um, vegetable, they're labeled branded vegetable oils because they figured it was a marketing term. Everybody yeah. was told that vegetables are healthy for you. But uh, these are, these are, these were manufactured. Basically the seed oil thing, the narrative I see in it is that it's, it's an example of the tower of Babel scientism in which mankind in the 20th century once again thought that, oh, look, it's the space age. We can create, we can manufacture a industrial lab uh, uh, product that will be superior to what our, our dumb ancestors had to do by churning butter or yeah. rendering lard. I mean, what primitive fools. They weren't the space age moderns that we are. So let's create something in a lab. Uh, using industrial, eventually it was first created with the cottonseed uh, gin. You know, cottonseed oil was like a byproduct, and it was toxic to humans. But they, if they removed one of the uh, chemicals in it, it was less toxic. You know, and they would use it to adulterate butter. So they would cut butter with it, cottonseed oil, and it was considered a shameful product. It was like a snake oil trash product that you would sneak in to cut your butter uh, if you wanted to sell butter in a fraudulent way. Um, and, and so just like, you know, just like, uh, we have fiat money, we debase, uh, we debase our money, right. By, by right. printing thin air and eventually it, it debases our purchasing power. And that's what we've, you know, that's how seed oils came about. It's fiat fuel, fiat oil. Um, and it started with cottonseed oil and it's turned into, and it, and it took time for America to, to embrace eating seed oils to the degree that we do now. But that's what's driving cancer, diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, Alzheimer's, uh, all these different autoimmune disorders, the, the, mood, the mood problems that people have, the mood disorders, the, the uh, afflictions with personality dis disorders. All these things are driven by mitochondrial dysfunction. And we've just written into that, oh, this is just standard ways of diseases we'll have to accept and personalities that we'll have to accept. When in fact, these things are, are, are products of uh, really screwing up our, our, our mitochondria, which is the, uh, the form and, uh, you know, this is the, the life fuel, uh, the batteries of our, of our bodies. And, uh, 
I am not as familiar with the, the full foundational philosophy of bioenergetics about that Dr. Ray Pete developed and talked about. He was influenced by uh, another scientist named Gilbert Ling, uh, who developed uh, you know a new concept for the cell, which I I can't do justice to. You know, I've read about it, but I, I wouldn't do justice to try to explain it if I I uh, understand it well. But it was uh, you know that's what Dr. Ray Pete was discovering, not just PUFA in seed oil form, but the high PUFA content in things like fish oils. He thought fish oils was another big marketing scam. And of course, because we feed uh, chicken and pigs, which are monogastric animals, which means they store the fuel, the fat that you give them into their body fat, um, you know, we feed chicken and pigs so much uh, seed oils or corn and soy products that they are loaded with excessive amounts of this omega-6 fatty acid as well, which is driving uh, people's diseases. Even if you excluded seed oils, but you're eating a ravenous amount of fish oils um, and, and you know fatty fish that are mm. farm-raised and lots of chicken with the fat and skin on it and pork with the fat and all that, if you eat that on a, lot, on a heavy level, you can still have uh, your mitochondria uh, you know, destroyed over time and impaired uh, because of the de deleterious effects of eating that much of PUFA. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't consider what the animals they're eating have been fed, and they don't know that cows, pigs, whatever, are basically fed a diet of corn and, and grains. And But this didn't happen naturally. I remember in the 90s, my grandmother had heart issues, and her doctor told her, stop eating eggs and butter and eat margarine. Right, right. And that yeah. was the that was the the wisdom yeah. of the day, right? Like, I can't yeah. believe it's not butter, because oh, butter tastes so good, but it'll kill you. So eat this crap, because right. it's it's low in fat. You're muted, Jason. This is a perfect example of like I asked a simple question, and like <laughs> fifteen <laughs> minutes later, <laughs> well, into, like I, I gotta tell you. So I'm just to let you know, I'm coming in hot and heavy because no, I, no, that's. I got roped. I got roped into a rodeo. I was unexpected, so I've got to get back to it soon. So I'm trying to kind of give my stuff on the front load, and I probably won't be able to go the whole way this time. That's that's fine, David. It's just because it, it, like I said at the start of it, is like I, I tried downloading as much of this into my brain the, uh, in the days before doing this the show, and I had to tap out yesterday because it was literally just it was making margarine out of my brain because I. <laughs> I, I, I because I was listening to a lot of your stuff. Uh, if anyone who doesn't know, David Gnowski has a, a neighbor's choice. Uh, the uh, link is in the show notes below. Go check that out. You have a, a a whole section of your of your show dedicated to seed oils and seed oil cons conspiracy. And you've you've interviewed uh, Ray Pete before his passing, and you've been you've been uh, one of the better voices on this for a long time. And yeah, I was I, I sent you a, a a DM on Twitter saying, uh, you know, or uh, you know can you direct me towards anything? And I think you kind of just like, you were like, ah, <laughs> it's like, what, what, there's like a seven hour Ray Pete interview that I tried del delving into. I got <laughs> <Which> about one. <laughs> uh, I, I tried to find it, but like, it's like, I got about many. 35 minutes. I got 35 minutes in. I'm like, I, I can't do this in one sitting, man. <laughs> it's, in, yeah. it's impossible. No, this, there can be decades of, of yeah. trying to sort this stuff out, especially because there's so many similarities between what is good and what is bad. I think a lot of it has been sleight of hand by the industry to try and sneak one thing in un, by making right. it resemble it's, it, what is its opposite, but it does appear similar too. And, and so going in and sorting that out for people is a big job.
Right. And it's, I think it's, it's intimidating for a lot of people that are like, ah, fuck it. It's, it's too much. And I got to tell you, so I was one of the first shows that started talking about the seed oil topic and broadcast radio format, format mm. every day to normies and boomers who are listening to Dave Ramsey and Rush, you know what I mean? Rush Limbaugh, Hannity, Glenn Beck type folks, right? Normie people, not like your Twitter edgelord, you know, non <laughs> counts. So I was pushing that stuff for a long time, the seed oil topic, uh, before it kind of became a trendy topic in the Twitter world. Um, and and it, it, and so what happened, it, it, it's good and bad. It's mostly good, right? Because I want everybody to know about this. The bad is, is that it became a gimmick. It kind of became a jokey kind of conservative gimmick. So, you know, it kind of, oh, they, they, you know, the way they do it in Twitter world, you know, I'm not really a Twitter guy and that, you know, that's not my, that's not where my base of my audience has been nurtured. I'm new to that game, but the Twitter world is all about memes and all that, which is fine, but it became kind of a jokey, you know, kind of like, Oh yeah. Sea dogs are killing everything. And it's like, and then no one ever understands why and, and how does yeah. it work. And uh, so what I did was, you know, instead of trying to be like the next guru guy to tell you how to live, I just wanted to be a facilitator to bring all the disparate seed oil gurus or, you know, scientists, researchers and popularizers. And I brought them together. So like I, I was creating it like the Avengers. If you watch my, my, I have a panel called my big fat panel, my big fat obesity panel. And I brought Ray Pete, Kate Shanahan, who's a popular seed oil. Uh, she's one of the pioneers in the, you know, publishing books on this topic, Tucker Goodrich, uh, who's a good friend of mine as well. Uh, 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 we had uh, Peter Dobromilski, who's another guy who's been a, a leader blogger about this topic, and Brad Marshall, who's got fire in a bottle where he's trying to, and and those are like some of the best leading lights in the kind of popularizer internet world space. And um, then then you have other kind of scientists in the academic world like Bruce Hammock and uh, other folks that we've had on the show who we, we were just kind of creating like, because that's what, you know how they always say like universities have failed us, the internet will be the mm -hmm. new academia, right? Well, I'm literally like trying to do that in real time by like putting symposiums together with all these minds for the first time meeting and letting the ideas kind of like electrically uh, cross pollinate. And, and, you know, some of them would debate and argue. I had Brad Marshall, uh, you know, there's a dispute in the seed oil community or the seed oil, um, you know, the PUFA alert community, uh, about, uh, you know, like monounsaturated fats and olive oil. So I put together a debate between uh, Tucker Goodrich, who is pro olive oil and is pro olive oil and monounsaturated fats. And then Brad Marshall, who thinks no monounsaturated fats like olive oil are not as bad as seed oils, but they are obesogenic. And, you know, there's a long argument there, even going back to Plato, when Plato was saying, don't be eating too much olive oil now, that's what rots your body and, you know, it's terrible mm. for your health. Um, so, you know, it was like a very, like, just a little bit of that is all you need. Don't eat a lot of olive oil because it's fattening. So that's right. a debate within the community. But the broader point is this. You can't run, see, the omega-6 and omega-3s, if they are essential, because they've been called essential fatty acids based on a dubious study that was done with, it was poorly done, um, Georgie Dinkoff, known as High Duke, who's one of the guys that follows Ray Pete, has talked about it a lot, uh, that study. So you could go to his work to find out the specifics. But they never really substantially proved that omega-3s and omega-6s, which is what that PUFA category is of fats, 
that's in seed oils and so forth, they never really demonstrably proved that those were essential fatty acids. But even if they are, that at best, they're meant to be signaling molecules, not meant to be fuel. So that's important. You can't run you can't run your body on a fuel source that's not intended to be fuel, but rather a signaling molecule. And that's where it goes back to my kind of working hypothesis about why is it that saturated fats make you they typically make you lean and fit and energetic and warm and PUFA fats make you sedentary, sleepy and wanting to go rest and store fat. I think our bodies are designed intelligently. And I think that, you know, our bodies are designed that if you're eating tropical nuts and tropical oils, your body's like, I'm in an environment where I don't want to store fat a lot. I want to be energized. There's lots of fruit. There's lots of things to do here. Mm. But if you're eating tremendous amounts of cold uh, weather seeds, that's a sign your body's like, holy shnikes, if you're eating the seed, you're really desperate for nutrients because you're eating something that is right, that you wouldn't eat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that, you're gobbling up acorns instead of eating uh, <laughs> lamb and, 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 and honey, right? You know, because yeah. humans want to eat lamb and honey. They don't want to eat, you know, acorns and crap. And nobody wants to eat soybeans in the natural habitat. Nobody wants to eat uh, these things like that, you know? And so yeah. your body gets that signal and says, shit, it, this is a place where we need to store fat. Winter's coming. Uh, we, we, you know, if they're eating this kind of uh, anti-nutrient food source, that's a sign that this is a lean starvation situation. And mm. therefore, we need to create a fat burning uh, uh, environment, but a slow fat burning environment and, and just, you know, store on fat so that we can make it through the winter. So I think people who I think people who tend to be uh, dri- driven towards obesity by eating these seed oils. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with them per se. It's just mm-hmm. that they have a genetic makeup that's signaling it, that's responsive to the signaling molecule. In fact, I think people whose genetics are more in the tropics, I don't know, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but it, it would seem to suggest that some places genetically, they eat seed oils. They, you know, we all know somebody who eats like a giant pizza a day, and they're skinny as can be. Really, just a little mm-hmm. bit of fat, maybe as they get older. And you say, how the hell do they do that? Well, their body may not register, you know, the signaling molecule of uh, cold, uh, cold weather seeds, right? Telling yeah. them because their their body genetically has never been in that environment, so it's not very responsive to it. I mean, that's well, it makes it, make, it, it makes sense in terms of like even like here in Australia, a lot of the uh, talk about uh, Aboriginals who just can't metabolize sugars, like complex sugars and, and some other foods. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or natives not, up here with alcohol, they still can't metabolize it, you know, because yeah. that's, I think a lot of people, like, I don't really feel, I feel bad for them because it seems like an almost over, overactive um, uh, survival mechanism, right? Like these are people who in a natural environment would be the fittest, but because they're so sensitive when they're put into this artificial environment that we live yeah. in today, they're, 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 it's hyperactive. And so they'll over store food. And it just sort of comes down to this basic rule, what you're saying with that argument that goes all the way back to Plato, like look at how things are processed and eat them in the amount that you would eat them in nature. Like all, how much, how many olives would you eat in a day? You're not going to be chugging you know, like olive oil, same thing with seed oils, right? Like you're not going to go and eat 50,000 sunflowers. That's just an unnatural amount. If you eat things like, I remember when I first started learning just about health at all, I think like most people do it. I was like looking at health as how do you lose weight? 
And then it was after a couple of years, I realized, oh, there's a difference between dieting and being healthy. And then you go, sort of go on to phase two of like, oh, how, how are the different foods that I eat affecting my body, not just affecting my, my weight loss? And what you learn is that almost everything they tell you about how to lose weight is completely wrong. Right. Dieting is the worst thing ever. You'll fail every diet you ever try. The only thing to do is affect, you know, change the way that you look at food and the way that you eat. And the easiest, the easiest rule, and I've told everyone this for years, is don't buy anything with ingredients. Right. You follow that one rule, you will eat healthy forever and you will cut out 90% of the problems in your life. David, how, how much longer do we have you for? Because I want to get Matt and Cooper in here. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I, I'm just kind of playing it by ear. I probably need to wrap it up soon, but... Um, okay. Uh, yeah. so you guys Matt, jump in. I mean, I, I'll try to stay, stick on for a few minutes more. No worries. Uh, Matt, please, Matt or Cooper, if you have any uh, any thoughts, comments. Now, Take a couple away, thoughts. Um, so Actually, sorry, Matt, before you do that, I'll just say uh, we can do Super Chats now. Uh, so if you want your questions right, right on air, send us a Super Chat, and we will read them out. Uh, while we still have David around, if uh, you have any questions for David, let us let us let us know by sending us some some money. Appreciate it. Yeah, Matt, go ahead. So if you're if you're trying to understand the mechanism behind the the action of PUFAs, why they why they are the way they are, why they affect you the way they do, um, it actually it really makes a lot of sense once it's well, at least it did for me once I understood had it explained properly. Um, so the big sources of PUFAs, naturally speaking, you mentioned chicken and, and pork as being big dietary sources of PUFAs um, because of what they're fed. But the naturally occurring PUFAs largely comes from nuts and seeds and from cold water fish. And mm. part of the reason for this is that um, the, the PUFAs naturally remain, the unsaturated oils naturally remain liquid at colder temperatures. Right. So if you had a fish, right. a cold water fish, that was primarily saturated fat, it would be stiff. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be supple. Um, and the same with seeds, the seeds have to be able to germinate when it's still cold outside early right. in the spring. So those, those, the, 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 um, unsaturated oils have to remain liquid and accessible for that purpose. Hmm. And then the plants don't want their seeds to be eaten. David kind of touched on this, a plant, like a, a seed is the, is the plant's baby. It doesn't want its, its, its baby to be eaten. Right. So, even if it is eaten, then it doesn't want it to be digested. It wants it to be carried away and pooped out. So right. what the, like the way the PUFAs affect the body of the animal that eats them is, number one, it blocks digestive enzymes that prevent it from being digested. Mm. And, um, and so, so it begins inhibiting your digestive process when you eat it naturally because that's what it's supposed to do. Hmm. Uh, and then... The other thing is that because they are the unsaturated oils remain liquid at cooler temperatures, they also get really molecularly unstable at hot temper at hotter right. temperatures. So you'll even see this on some of these vegetable oil bottles. They'll be in dark bottles and they'll say to keep it in a, in a cool, dark cupboard. You don't want to have it exposed to the sunlight because the sunlight will cause it to be to become molecularly unstable. Right. Well, your body is almost 100 degrees. So when you put these oils into your body or you cook with them, you're basically you're just introducing a bunch of 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 toxins to your body that essentially it's it it reacts inside your body like a like a like a bunch of little dirty bombs going off yeah. inside your body and it begins disabling your thyroid function it disables your yeah. um mitochondrial function it cascades all the way through your system because these things especially with the seeds the nuts and seeds they're designed to be neurotoxic they're designed right. to impair your metabolism and your right. digestive function because then you won't eat them they right. almost act like chemo drugs. Is it, yes. Is it, uh, chemotherapy. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, let's let's do the conspiracy side of all the whole thing. Are they trying since to kill us? Since it's conspiracy month, month, yes. Are they the octopus people trying to uh, trying to? Uh, that's such that's a great new euphemism. <laughs> Octopi uh, are trying to. Uh, okay, because we can look we can look at this two different directions. Like it's it's it's. I believe that most of these conspiracy most of these things boil down to human beings created a thing. They didn't care really if it hurt people or not they try to make it as least toxic as possible so they wouldn't kill people on mass and point you know people go oh that's it's this and then they just continue this and making money off of it mm-hmm. um i i i think that's the baseline of it now we can certainly attach ideas like depopulation um desire to create transgendered people which i think a lot of this dietary stuff is actually probably ha- affecting people's uh, neurodiversity and 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 screwing around with endocrine systems and and hormones and who knows what um leading to a more stressful society people who are much more susceptible to to uh to suggestion etc 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 uh but let's get your get your, get let's get our thoughts uh, let's get the panel's thoughts on that do we think this is some grand conspiracy or do we think this is just money people making money or a bit of both go for it david i don't know i don't know it's probably like you said a little bit of both um I think that, uh, you know, everything is trending towards, again, you have, so you have Edenism, which is let's get back to nature. Let's get back to the good old golden age. Right. And you see that popping up even within the ancestral health community. Actually it is, you know, it's not even it, you know, ancestral health community in some ways, because I'm in that community, but it some ways makes the era of Edenism of like, you know, let's let's go back to the perfect pasture. But that's not biblical. Right. The Bible, that, and therefore, it's not real. And therefore, it's not true. It's not reality. Uh, the Bible begins in a garden. It ends in a city. Right. So we have to build the right. We have to build something. We have to co-create as part of our theosis in, in incarnating, you know, heaven into earth as we were meant to all along. And that's what dominion means, the dominion of self-giving love. So let's put that on the table first. Everything about science should be inculcated with the dominion mandate of self-giving agape love. And that means science should be subordinate to self-giving agape love, right? And, um, and, and, and when, that, when we lose sight of that, when we, that kind of animating telos that animates where we're going with the endeavors we do, like science and innovation— then we get into these insane Tower of Babel cheap imitations, right? Tower of Babelism is another error that looks kind of like what I'm talking about, where we build a city, but in this case, it's in a city in rivalry with God, right? So you got Abel, right, is killed by Cain and founds the and they found the first city primordially in, in the Bible in that story, and and the Tower of Babel is. A, a tower that's actually a, a kind of like a ziggurat designed for human sacrifice to meet to meet God to try to reach the level of God, and that is destroyed. That tower of Babel spirit is in rivalry with the Christian spirit of building a city through nonviolent self-giving ethos. I just want to st- establish that first. That's the baseline of reality when we talk about seed oils, okay? We have to stop being rationalists where we compartmentalize these things. Like, no, I'm talking about seed oils, and this is an isolated topic from anthropology. No, it's all one thing. So once we see that, then it's kind of more clear that, you know, 
whether people intend to or not, there's a spirit of Tower of Babel, right? That that is 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 driving the seed oil direction that happened. Ansel Keys, you know, they're trying to come up with this fat of the future. Uh, the American Heart Association was just a one room little nothing entity. They needed a break. This is the myth. This is the the kind of anti seed oil, you know, mythology of this. But, you know, they needed a big breakthrough to kind of put their American Heart Association on the map. It was a little no-nothing upstart, a little, a little nothing upstart thing. And, and uh, you know, here comes um, uh, uh, Procter & Gamble, and they come out with this Crisco product, and they basically go to the American Heart Association and say, hey, you know, if you, you know, endorse our, our you know, fat, you know, we'll, we'll support you. We'll put you guys on the map and make you guys the authority on heart disease, right? And this is mm-hmm. the time in the 1950s when Dwight Eisenhower had heart problems and they were blaming it on the butter he was eating. You know, they were blaming not, it on the not, not, not the five packs of cigarettes he right. smoked a day. Hey, right. No. right. So, but, but what did they do, man? They do that for everything. They blame, you know, the horse pace thing. They blame, you know, those yeah. killing people. They blame, you know, anything that's closer to uh, a more humble medicine that's not trying to create. Uh, you know, some kind of uh, patented ivory tower, tower of Babel solution is always going to get denigrated. Natural supplement, you know, vitamin D can't help your immune system, science says, because they haven't patented. Pfizer didn't get a patent on the sunlight, you know. And yeah. so everything moves towards that tower of Babel spirit where it's like innovating for the sake of profit. And uh, I think I think along that path, I'm sure somebody looked at the data which is pretty clear that it is associated with all of these chronic illnesses, right? And when you have investment groups like BlackRock that have a hand in the food and in the medicine industry, right? Uh, and all the other things in between restaurants and all this stuff, you could make a you know, case, well, hell, that's, that's nice and convenient. You know, if the more people eat seed oils, the more are, you know, first of all, they're addictive as uh, they, 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 they do a similar effect uh, to stimulate the endocannabinoid system, like when you get munchies from smoking weed. And so they create the same effect of like making you hungry and overeat, especially carby foods. So it's an, it's a natural incentive to put a lot of seed oils in your potato chips. If, if you had every Lay's potato chip bag filled with beef tallow, people would not eat as much. They would be satiated, right? right? So you need to go through that bag fast. And it's also nice when an investment firm has a piece in Lay's and Pepsi or whatever, and has a piece in the companies that are going to be making money off of insulin because you have diabetes, right? Yep. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's just, a very nice system. And it's also nice if it depopulates the world to some degree, right? Cooper, <laughs> I mean, it's very Cooper, similar. Cooper, sorry, Cooper, jump in anytime, man, if you're going to fall asleep there. So, uh, folks, in case you're wondering, Cooper is not a vampire. He's just from Michigan. So that's why he's. <laughs> He's reflecting sunlight like this, like the surface of the of the water. Like it's I like thought that was on the water. I thought that was an image of some. I didn't know that. <laughs> He's there. Hey, hey, oh, yeah. I've been listening intently. Wow. I love the rant. Yeah, well, if you want to jump in, because that that reminded me of sugar with the sugar lobby with the same thing they did. It's very. Oh, we're gonna get the, your body we're, we're the same get, way. Are we, are we we're getting gonna to get sugar? To sugar? We're gonna get to okay. sugar in a second. Because. <laughs> You have Matt's nodding uh, wisely here. Uh, we just got a uh, $5 super chat from random user number. Uh, sorry, random username. Uh, cheers, spooky stuff. Cheers, man. Uh, I know who you Thanks. are. Random <laughs> user. <laughs> uh, Cooper, anything you want to jump in here? 
or you just want to be stoic in the, in the corner? I'm fine being stoic and sitting in the corner for the time being. Right. Okay. Um, I thought that was like Sting. Remember that WWE thing when Sting was just silent on camera? And they said, that's Sting. <laughs> and they said, no, that's a picture of Sting. That's what I thought that guy... Cooper was he's he's our dime store Indian essentially. He's just he's just That's right. The, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a, a concept I've mentioned on the show in the past that I think is kind of um, kind of appropriate here. The concept of the egregore. Um, now having having become a part of the Orthodox Church, I I now no longer believe that that egregores are actually. Um, I, I don't think it's actually a thing. The egregore being essentially an entity that is kind of like the collective. I, maybe you say like the collective manifestation of the thoughts of individual people is actually itself an entity. However, I think that the conception of, of the idea of an egregore is actually, I, I think people are noticing something that's real, which is that, um, was it Carl Jung said that, uh, uh, people don't have ideas, ideas have people. I think so. And some of these things don't necessarily have to be explicitly, an explicit conspiracy that's orchestrated by, you know, men in top hats and, in, in, you know, dark smoky rooms, they, they can function as conspiracies just due to the established network of incentives. People have an incentive to pursue they're, they're, they're within their own narrow frame. They're pursuing this thing based on an incentive that leads them to act in a certain way that creates incentives for other people that leads them to pursue their own thing. And they act in a certain way and collectively it manifests as a conspiracy. Right. And you can get a whole network of these that then can be pretty easily manipulated, relatively low rent from the actual guys in the dark smoky rooms. But then also there's demons like demons exist and demons are uh, working overtime to, motivate human beings into pursuing different things for a variety of reasons. So using the, the, the seed oil thing as an example, I think it's entirely plausible that it was really just kind of a matter of profit seeking and just like, Hey, we, you know, the, the, the invention of plastic put a lot of these seed oils, they were being used as like industrial solvents and stuff that put them out of, um, they, they no longer had a, had a market for their, their product. So they're like, well, let's find a new market for it. Let's say that the that actually it's butter and 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 bacon that are causing heart disease, and so then people will buy our our seed oils instead. Mm-hmm. And that could be just a very short term, uh, just kind of an impulsive profit seeking decision that they make. But it just so happens that pursuing that short term profit seeking vision also lends itself to a long term conspiratorial vision where it feeds into Depop, and then all of these other things begin accumulating where suddenly you have all these different incentives that all become aligned naturally. They don't even have to be aligned explicitly. You have the people who want to have the, who want to be able to sell their Crisco and you have the people who want to be able to benefit from um, insulin drugs. And you have the people who want to be able to, to uh, uh, pretend to cure cancer without ever doing it. All of them within their own domains, they have an incentive for their industry to be perpetuated. And the right. effect of all of those people pursuing their own local incentives is going to be the an actual 
um, grand conspiracy. Yeah. Well, it's and I really... don't say that saying that it's impossible for all. It could also be that there is a grand conspiracy, but I'm saying there yeah. doesn't have to be a grand conspiracy right. for there yeah. to be a grand conspiracy. Well, think about how that looks like what happened for the past three years with a certain other thing that was really yeah. good for you, right? I mean, this is the same. Right. Gets my Austrian economics libertarian mind thinking about incentives, right? And you have this government agency, which the FDA, it's going to be doing both of these, right? It's food and drugs. And then you have the American Heart Association. And so you have, again, the, the dirty capitalists, okay? They, they have their incentive to sell a, a, a waste byproduct. Then they can go to this government agency and say, hey, give us your stamp of approval. Then the greed is there. And then when all these things do come together, that's when it sort of gets to where I would say it's almost a spiritual level where it's like, okay, what, what is the spirit that's motivating so many people to, to take that lowest option? of greed and corruption and whatever. And then you get these demonic results like we had recently with that, that thing that saved everybody's life. Well, to bring it, bring it back to David and you'll appreciate this to a Girardian memetics idea about it. What's devious about this is that you're creating this want, this want to be healthy. To being healthy is actually a need that you shouldn't have to desire to be healthy. It should be a given like being right. healthy should be as, as given as is as drinking water or having shelter or, uh, you know, have, you know, being, being around, being around family or, or familiar people, right? That's, that's yeah. an, a human need. What they've done, what they've done very effectively. And this is where the conspiracy kind of fa factors in. And I think this is sort of the, um, a nice tent for, for, for all of this is they've now transfer that need into a desire. And once you start doing that, deteriorous effects start happening because now you start introducing all these, well, what is healthy, right? What is, how, how do you want to be healthy? Well, we can present healthy in all these different ways. We can market healthy. And this is where the profit incentive and all these other kinds of incentives start you know, from a Northwest perspective. This is where the passions start coming into it where, you know, where healthy becomes vainglorious, healthy becomes prideful, healthy, healthy, uh, healthy becomes uh, avarice, healthy becomes all these different things that it shouldn't be because it should be your default status. <laughs> like if yeah. you're not healthy, you want to get healthy. Uh, no, no, you've not, you don't want to get healthy. You need to get healthy or else you're dead. Like uh, Matt, something you and Cooper said in um, your latest, uh, your last uh, Kingpilled or Return of the Kingpilled uh, episode. We're, we're going to get to your product as well, uh, boys. Uh, hopefully we can keep you around for a little bit longer because I think this is going to go a little bit long. Uh, but because we haven't even got to Ray Pete yet. But uh, uh, but uh, one of the things you said is that, uh, oh shoot, I just lost it. Never mind. We'll get to it. <laughs> There's a point there. I'll, 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 I'll refine it. It'll come uh, you're talking about Girardian. You're talking about medic theory. Um, you're talking about health and that uh, health should be a um, it should be a, a yeah. It was, it was something want. specific. Is I, I, something specifically you said, and it's 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 gone from my brain now. So I'll, what we'll, is the product that you guys have? Yeah, we're uh, yeah, get to uh, we're doing uh, nutrition and fitness uh, coaching, and the the nutrition approach that we're we're um, recommending for people is a is a very rapedian mm -hmm. approach. We're essentially combining Ray Pete nutrition with Mike Menser high intensity fitness training because as we were just kind of talking about this and we realized these two seem to go really well together, even from mm -hmm. a philosophical perspective, the two guys seem like, I don't, I don't think Ray Pete and Mike Menser ever talked to each other, or ever even knew who knew each other, but they say a lot of very, very similar things. Yeah. And like at a, 
on a spiritual level, it seems like they were aligned in a lot of a lot of things. But we didn't see anybody else who was really combining these things until I, we I, started talking about it, and then all of a sudden, everybody started talking about it. Are you going <laughs> to bring uh, Tybo into it too? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's an exercise. Uh, oh. it was the, all the rage like '98. Oh, how about, oh yeah. How about, yeah. how about Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies? <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'll bet you I'll bet you Cooper can do a really good Richard Simmons impression. He's got the physique. How much, how much oh. money did Richard Simmons make off of Poofa for God's sake? Dear God. That's talk about making making a killing. Lord. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much you sweated to the oldies, that poofa just stayed on your body, you know, because you didn't know what well, to do. I mean a, a poof pushing poofas is just yeah. kind of like it's kind of a, a sort of very, very meta. <laughs> that sounds like a euphemism you know you know the thing is man is that you got to understand and i agree with that uh critique on the health industry the you know ray p is like you know hakuna matata you know he's like the simone and pumba uh is that his name simone and pumba yeah mm -hmm. timon and timon and pumba right and they're like you know that kind of mindset is kind of like ray pete's philosophy and i think there's a seat there's a there is a spirit within the orthodox community that is it sometimes dominated a little bit too much by the ascetic community. And it needs a little bit more Hakuna Matata. Yeah. Uh, it needs to learn from the pilgrims, the post-millennial pilgrims and so forth, that kind of feast, that kind of let's, you know, let's, let's, let's have a robust life and it's okay to learn from other, you know, Christian brothers. Uh, people should be able to cross pollinate ideas together. And, and, and my point is, is that I don't like this idea that, you know, like the point of life is like to starve yourself. And like, you know, there, there's this one, uh, there's this one, um, I mean, I'm fasting has its role, right. But it's not, it shouldn't be the default thing. And it's like, there's this one, um, uh, you know, uh, place where these, uh, uh, you know, this little, uh, catacomb type thing or something in Ukraine where like these monks would like, they were practicing basically immurements where they were like entombing themselves in, and like, you know, to the point where they died, you know, like inside these underground caverns, you know, like, bare, you know, just a little bit of a hole to have oxygen to breathe. And I'm like, that's pagan, man. You, you, you know, when you get so ascetic and, and, and so-called so holy that you end up right back in paganism, <laughs> it's just you put yourself there. Yeah, and yeah but <clears throat> sorry, David, just to jump in, like, I, I, and I agree with you. I think one of the problems constantly, and I grew up somewhat attached to to Russian Orthodox Church and, and when I was really quite young. And then I left then I left it and then came I've come back. Um one of the things I think that's that's a massive disconnect for a lot of Westerners, the Western Orthodox Church tends to get uh mosaic life and layman life very confused. So right. these two things become intertwined and everyone gets gets very like this is where the like uh people lose the distinction. Um, there's in, in sort of more classic, especially I guess with Eastern Europeans or Slavs in general, there's a very clear idea of monastic and layman and monastics go do monastic stuff. And mm. we don't, a big, a big reason for that don't is comment because... on that, right? It's like, it's like whatever they're doing in the Lavras, they're doing in the Lavras and they come back with information and we, and we digest it from there. Um, but from, but we don't. We don't. We, we we would never be expected to to incorporate that into our lives. Like it's well, when, yeah, you, read, when you read when you read that ascetic mindset has in in the recent like Orthodox. Uh, no, I agree with 
I totally agree with you. you know I think I, mean? I think it's a massive it's a massive problem in Western Orthodoxy that yeah. they can't separate the two things. Like right. Saint uh, Saint uh, uh, Saint Seraphim of uh, Savrov, when you read his story and you understand like what he went through and what he put himself through through a, like he put himself through deliberate pain and suffering, right for a purpose. But that was a purpose that he was called on to do, right, right, and right. and and the and the and the idea of the day he was he was basically the the, the most celebrated uh, Russian saint of the, of the late nineteenth century and early twentieth century. It, no one was expected to live like him. Like yeah. even if he's he's your patron saint, which he is he's in mind, you're not called to live like him. You're called to see him as an example and to pray yeah. with him yeah. for your, your example. That but and I I only bring this up because I see this a lot, um, especially with online Western Orthodox. With Western Orthodoxy is they're they're confusing the two orders completely. Right. Like they think they have to become monastics in their daily life, and it's like you're not called on that. Like that's it, not it, your calling at all. It just, it just just to just to put a final point to that yeah. point. It's just that that whole like 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 abuse yourself mindset becomes entrenched in so much in the West. Like. This idea of going to the gym, no pain, no gain, to the point where you're like blowing yourself out. Ray Pete is very critical of these high stress type ways of yep. exercise. He's very big yes. into, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, concentric exercises like a bicycle or swimming. You know, instead of, you know, like doing these things where you're tearing up the muscles and overproducing lactic acid and creating mm. uh, stress. That's going to cause just as much breakdown. That's why you know people who are like. Uh, you know, professional marathon runners oftentimes heart pro have heart problems and other problems because yeah. they're in chronic stress on their body. Their their heart's just as bad as the couch potato who's tearing up seed oils every night and and yeah. doing nothing. And so all these different stressors. I I just love I love the Ray Pete philosophy and how it just boldly slashes against this whole like torture yourself to be healthy mindset. I'd like if you guys could break down a little bit more just for our audience what, what that is specifically. because We have invoked his name many times. Okay. Yeah, we keep talking about what him. Without, you said what oh, hang on. Because I just say, is, what is Ray P? Is that a... I'm, I'm, okay. what, what is his hang on, wait, wait, what Mark, is his... Mark, I, I, need, I need to put a, a PSA out of this, okay? <laughs> the continuing conversation, the conversation that's going to continue from here might give you diabetes. Now... <laughs> we are not responsible for your Jeez. sugar glucose levels everything following this not not our fault okay i have i have to hear raw milk with white table sugar and salt oh. added okay. just wow. i'm just putting it out there i don't want to hear diabetes the diabetes association of america coming down on us like we're just we're just citing stuff here, okay? Just calm the fuck down, because because once you hear how much how much ice cream you're gonna have to eat every day, you uh, might get a little daunted. That's how okay. everybody gets obese on Ray Pete's diet because they think you gotta eat ice cream all day. Cooper, <laughs> I'm 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 gonna I'm I'm gonna tag you in here, buddy, because 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 you're not pretty enough to just sit there <laughs> in, in the corner of the screen. What? Give us give us some Ray Pete. I know diet. I know the diet stuff isn't your big thing. We we'll, we will get. We'll do some. Uh, is it Matt, Matt? Matt? Is it Mike Menser or Mike or Matt Menser? Mike Menser. Mike. Mike. Okay. We will do some Mike Menser just for you. Uh, we'll dedicate a little bit of time for to to do that. Um, but yeah, let's uh, Cooper uh, Ray Pete. 
Go uh, pass this right on over to Matthew. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, hey Matt. guys, I'm, I'm gonna have Thanks, to Matthew. bow out. I'm gonna have to bow out, but uh I really appreciate you guys inviting me. I'm sorry to have to cut out, but I'm gonna have to get out of here. But David is always a pleasure, man. Everyone, everyone who's listening, please go go over to Neighbor's Choice. uh, Follow David. He's got a whole bunch of stuff on seed oils. Uh, Like, subscribe, give him some money. Um, I've got like three or four interviews with Ray Pete right before. I was like one of the last people that interviewed him several times before he died. So I've got some of the most unique stuff. His last take on politics. I did that interview where he tears uh, a new one into uh, 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 Noam Chomsky and other uh, fake leftists. I did a politics with him on that. And then there's a few others we did. So check that out. And I'm sure Matt's take it away, Matt, give him, give him the lowdown on Ray Pete. <laughs> You're it's the one Ron, who I learned about Ray Pete from. It, so I appreciate that. Ron Paul, Rene Girard and Ray Pete. You follow those old gurus and you'll be okay. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Um, Okay, so Ray Pete. Ray Pete was a uh, he. He just passed away almost a year ago now. It seems crazy. It's been a year. Um, he was a. Uh, I don't remember his exact credentials, but as, essentially he was very well credentialed. Uh, taught in a lot of different universities. His specialty was hormones, um, right. women's hormones. Actually, mm-hmm. is how he started out, and then began realizing that, like, so for example it's been thought for a long time that estrogen is the female hormone, testosterone is the male hormone. Mm-hmm. That's actually a relatively new perspective in the, the, I don't know what you call it, the health community or whatever that was prior to 1930s, 1940s, which is kind of funny, all this stuff all changed right around the 1940s. Um, prior to that point, estrogen was seen as an inflammatory stress hormone and mm-hmm. all of Ray Pete's work indicated that yes, Estrogen is an inflammatory stress hormone. It's actually the the reason why it might get considered a... a <laughs> so uh, it is the female hormone. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so the closest thing to an actual female hormone might be progesterone. Um, but again, progesterone is also, you know, it's found in men. I mean, testosterone is found in women as well. But right, uh, yeah. as the reason why estrogen got associated with women is largely because of the role that estrogen plays in the baby development process. Because estrogen is actually, it promotes cellular growth. The problem is cellular growth is not per se a good thing all the time. Right. Um, for example, untrammeled cellular growth has a name. It's the big C word, yeah. um, which I've heard apparently can sometimes get you flagged on here. So I won't actually say it. But you oh, really? I'll be fill it in. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Cancer. Um, yeah. Thank I think you. that's only if you're saying you can cure it. Yeah. Potentially. And not charging and not doing uh, chemotherapy. Right, I'm just saying, right, my, yeah. my, just to, to the octopuses li- listening, uh, we we are anti-cancer. Yeah, we don't yeah. we don't like it? We think it's bad, unless you think it's good, unless it's, and, unless the and yeah. if you have it, go inject yourself with a bunch of poison, <laughs> right? Guaranteed to cure you. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mike. That's that not medical Sorry, advice. That is, uh, yeah. I don't yes. know what, I, what that was. You know, Matt this is saying big, everything I was just about to say. So I'm, I'm glad big, I did it over juicy. To Cunt meat. What? <laughs> David's gone now. We we, we, we the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the radio Christian's gone. We can we can spice this up. Go ahead, sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Um. So so his so Ray Pete was was one of the first people who was really ringing the alarm bells about seed oils. He was doing this in like the seventies, 
Uh, and he was going to, he was getting events canceled when people would find out what he was going to talk about in like the seventies and eighties. So he wow. was, he was way early to this, uh, uh, to the whole like cancel culture thing. Um, canceled by who? Like lo- certain lobbies that would be after him or. It's a good just, question. Just Octopus. university students have always been fucking annoying. Yeah, it wouldn't be the university students. Oh, okay. It was, uh, it was his, his invitations would be rescinded when they would find out what he was going to talk about. Oh, it well, would, I assumed it would be at a university. Yeah, right, right. Um, so he, if to, to, if you wanted to boil down Ray Pete's philosophy or Ray Pete's uh, emphasis to a single word, it would be metabolism. Mm-hmm. All of his work was all focused on how to maximize and improve your, your metabolism. Okay. Metabolism being like the sum total of energy consumed and produced by all of the the functions in your body. So your your you are made up of your organs. Your organs are made up of your tissues. Your tissues are made up of your cells. The cells are made up of organelles. I don't, yes. that's, this is way, pa- way past my yeah. level of education. Right. Yeah, stuff, magic stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> um. So essentially his philosophy was that um um I think the phrase is energy and structure are interdependent at all levels. So mm-hmm. something that's happening or 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 functioning on the cellular level is going to affect the 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 tissue level which is going to affect the organ level which is going to affect you. And the his focus with so there is no repeat diet. There's no um formal prescription of this is exactly what you should eat and how much all that Hmm. Ray Pete answered people's questions whenever they would write to him all the way up until like right when he died. If you emailed him, he would send you a personal thoughtful response and he would do this for people all the time. He went on all kinds of shows and would talk at length. So people asked him questions and he answered their questions based on his own experience. He tested himself with all sorts of different stuff. He did insane things to his own body to see what the results would be. And he was really a very, um, I guess, kind of iconoclastic thinker. He didn't, um, wasn't he? Had he had very interesting thoughts on politics and uh, um, philosophy, you know, more more like largely speaking. But he didn't really get into that stuff quite as much. Um, he was just an incredibly thorough researcher and wasn't really beholden to the whatever was the fashionable system of thought at the time. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of his prescriptions and recommendations fly very much in the face of conventional wisdom. But you, I've also found in studying his stuff that many of the things that he said that like the, for example, the thing with estrogen, he says, estrogen is not a female sex hormone. Estrogen is a stress hormone. This was the standard perspective on estrogen since it had been discovered until like 1940. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it switched around and no, actually estrogen is a female sex hormone and we need to supplement people with it. And women who are, um, we should use it in birth control pills and like all of this stuff was all a completely new. It, it just so happened that the medical community changed their perspective on what estrogen was just before people started selling estrogen to, to women in the, in the name of funny how that works. Right. But but wouldn't, wouldn't the fact that it does work in terms of birth control, I know that women take HRT as a age, and it's used for those purposes. Are, are those are those effects not actually the, what they're advertised as? Or like, how do you? Because the the estrogen is involved in the development of the the embryo, but it also is involved in a lot of other things as well. 
It's mm-hmm. it's ultimately um, inflammatory, and it corresponds very closely with um, so estrogen. The, an increase in estrogen causes a decrease in thyroid hormone, and a decrease in thyroid hormone essentially fucks your entire hormonal profile with everything downstream from that. As soon as your mm. thyroid stops stops functioning properly, your liver is going to stop functioning properly. So you're no longer going to filter toxins out of out of your your body properly. And this is and this is the craziest thing when they because there's so many talks about fatty liver as or as as the bad thing. It's like no, your liver should be fatty. Like your liver should be your your liver is basically comprised of fat. So having a having a a, a fatty liver by by standard medical definitions. Is a good thing, but it's sold as a bad thing. Like you, like you shouldn't have, you know, fatty tissues ar- surrounding your organs. Which is like, actually, yeah, you should because your heart, <laughs> your heart needs it. You, you so, don't, so- you don't want to have, you don't want to have excessive fat around your internal organs directly. But that's one of the one of the effects of having um of of being hypothyroid, because if your if your thyroid hormone is low, what this signals to your body essentially is that you're in some sort of a stressful famine like state. Right. So like what David was talking about earlier, like these are signals, these are signals to your body and your body is adapted to respond to these signals in, in appropriate ways if that's what's actually happening. So people who are hypothyroid are typically going to notice that their hands and feet are cold really easily. It's hard for their, like it could be, it could be hot outside and their hands and feet will be cold. Uh, their nose is sometimes be cold. Um, the reason for this is that their circulation is worsening out on their extremities because their body is trying to protect their internal their their, their internal organs most closely to them. Um, so then, if you're in a sustained period of hypothyroid of a hypothyroid state, then you're going to start accumulating visceral fat, which is the fat that accumulates right around your internal organs, which you don't want. You don't want a lot of that visceral fat because it puts an, it puts a lot of extra strain on your organs, but your body's doing that in an emergency situation because it's trying to create, it's trying to protect your internal organs, specifically your brain, your heart, and your lungs. Those are the most important. It, it, it boils down to even like, uh, you know, I, I, this is something I don't haven't I don't think I've said on on the podcast yet. But I studied for a year or a year and a half uh, traditional Chinese medicine. I was got I got it deep into like naturopathy and all that stuff for uh, in, in my early thirties, and most of it was all bullshit. And I found out later that like oh this is all you know was created by Mao. But that's a separate conversation. Um, one of the things that one of the instructors told me that I thought was really interesting is that there's no such thing as bad cholesterol. The cholesterol itself is a warning signal. If you have high cholesterol, it means you have heart disease. So it's not that the cholesterol is bad. It's that the cholesterol is telling you, because cholesterol is, a, is an enzyme that helps break down fat in your blood cells. Like It, it helps break down fat in your body. Uh, that's its, it's, it's, it's its whole purpose. So if you have a high cholesterol, it means that you have a lot of fat that your body's trying to break down. So it's, it's not that the cholesterol is bad. It's that other things are bad. And... And, and it's, it's this really weird rewording of things in order to sell you this desire to be healthy because they've made you unhealthy. So now you have to desire to be healthy and you keep eating things that are unhealthy in order to make yourself healthy, which perpetuates the cycle of unhealthiness, which means like, it's like the diet, right? They just, they design diets that, that, that will fail that, you know, with the weight watchers thing that will give you initial success. You'll feel good about yourself because you've eliminated xyz from your diet i think this is the whole purpose of keto and uh, uh even carnivore diets is that yeah you feel better 
because you've eliminated all the crap out of your system. But now you're caught into a crap system where you're eating more crap. Like veganism is, is just seed oils. Veganism is essentially a seed oil delivery system. Veganism and- is eating, eating vegan like sust- for a sustained period of time is I, I would consider it a form of mental illness because it is number one, it, you have to be mentally ill to actually want to eat that way. And then the effects of it are that it will make you mentally ill because of, of malnutrition and not just malnutrition, but also excessive consumption of anti-nutrients of stuff. That's actually not just not new, nu- not, not providing nutrition. you with nutrition, but is actively denutritioning yeah, you. you. Yeah. yeah. A random, um, random user notes gave us $5 and said, uh, how does the diet fit into orthodox fast? Fast seems carb heavy to, to I'll just, throw my own two bits into that and uh, you guys can uh, uh, Cooper can just sit there and, and not talk. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, but, uh, but so I think what, what part of the biggest problems with the Orthodox fast is that we, because people who are aware uh, at least every Wednesday and every Friday, Orthodox, the, the Orthodox uh, restrain from meat, dairy, uh, traditionally eggs, uh, olive oil and wine, right? Those are the, those are the five categories that we we tend to to not use at all in our diet for, on those on those days. Sometimes you have a pr- prolonged fast, separate thing. Um, what tends to happen, and I've done this myself, is you get carb heavy, right? Or you go, okay, well, I can't use olive oil, so I'll use uh, uh, I'll use margarine, or I'll use uh, uh, an olive oil substitute instead. That wasn't the the the, the thing to keep your mind around is that that wasn't available two thousand years ago. So when they say none of that, they mean none of that. So no oils, right, at all. And fasting isn't just don't eat, keep eating the don't, same don't, level. Don't Talmud the the Orthodox fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's it's, right. it's yeah, exactly. There's no negotiations here. Um, the other thing too is that I think what happens is we want to keep our caloric uh, our caloric intake as at the same level, but just substituting things out. So we just eat a lot of pasta, and that's. I know that's an easy fix, but I mean, the, the good thing about the Orthodox fast is they allow seafood. So you can eat shellfish, anything without a spine. You can, so shrimp, mollusks, that kind of thing, which I just now just heavily subsidize my food intake on those days with just shrimp, essentially. Um, but uh, you don't want to just do one-to-one. Like the, the the ideal of the Orthodox fast is to eat very little and, and to eat, just uh, to reduce your entire meal co- content uh, throughout the day, like I'll the skip. Early, the early Christians wouldn't eat until after vespers, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd fast yeah, exactly. all day, eat after vespers for all of Lent, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's I, I tend to just skip a meal on top of my fasting, so I'll skip lunch or have like essentially you know almost no lunch, and that way you're cutting down your caloric intake, which is part of the ritual. Um, but so it's almost like a form of intermittent fasting where you're just giving your body a break. It's a purification. It's there's a lot of reasons for it, but I mean, but I think yeah. one of the reasons why a lot of Orthodox people gain weight in during because they're they're doing the fasting is because they're they're just substituting. And it's like don't substitute. It's not a substitution. It's like don't eat this, but eat a lot more of this. It's like eat a lot less of everything. Period. I think that's you boys can can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how I've internalized it at least. I want to highlight what Buck said here. He said, you can have the fast tailored by your priest or your spiritual father as well. The strict fast is generally only for monastics. Just want to make sure that that was uh, 
Yeah, like I, I feel bad about myself all the time because I'll break fast, but I always have to remind myself that's like, you know, like I'll eat eggs on Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, and and it's not a a reimagining of the fast. It's like I need some protein because I do mm-hmm. physical ma- maintenance work. Like I I can't I can't just live on beans. Like I I've, I I tried doing it. I've tried doing a a, a no food fast on days, and like I'm almost passing out. So. Mm-hmm. One of the girls, one of the girls at our church, uh, was telling me that there was a at another Orthodox church she was at. There was a person there who was being really uh, judgy with people about keeping the fasts and everything. And uh, I believe she said it was during Lent that a um, that the the, her priest went and bought a, a cheeseburger and brought it back and forced the person to eat the cheeseburger in front of him. To to emphasize that you're you're going about this entirely the wrong way. This is the, none of this should be about policing what other people are eating. You're not holier because you didn't eat a cheeseburger and someone else did. Now look, you just ate a cheeseburger, so you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't be don't be legalistic with with stuff like this. I think it's, people miss. One of the yeah, things. Well, it's, it's a Puritan. Is I think there's a, there's a lot of Puritanism in Western Orthodoxy, especially where it's like these are hard, fast rules that you cannot break. And it's, it, and the the most interesting thing about the Orthodox fast is that even even in the more strictest ideas of it, I mean, let's put the monastics on on, on a different uh, in a different category. For everyone else, it's not like it's there's it's not even a sin to break fast. It's not like you break fast, you go hell. <laughs> like it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's just to show your, it's, it's a, it's a purification system and to show your devotion to a system. But and it should be uncomfortable for you too. Like if it's, if it's, right. if it's not uncomfortable, like the, the point of it is that it's supposed to be a little bit of, of discipline, a little bit of self-imposed suffering so that you, you're, you're, you're in tune to this reality. To this, yeah. the, the that's, that's something I thought about for a long time because obviously having grown up Protestant, but now I live most of my life around Jewish people who fast all the time. I mean, it's like every second week there's a fast for a thing, there's a fast every holiday, and I feel like it's a big thing that the the whole. I mean, I don't even Catholics. I mean, they do Lent, but other than that, which isn't fasting, it's giving up something. All of Protestantism doesn't do it. And I think it's really lacking because again, there could be health benefits, there could be other things, but it's like the. The, the, the reason you do it is to do it, right? It's the act of holding, of not doing something that takes will and you're exercising your will. And that's the benefit is that the ritual, hard, right? the, ritual yeah, the ritual and reality are one. Yeah. The reason okay. I think that this uh, attitude pervades Western Orthodoxy is probably because all of the writings Yes, that are translated into English are monastic writings, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's honestly why my my priest uh, recommended one of the first things he said is like read Saint Paisios, Paisios, Paisios. Thank you. Um, and he's one of the most level-headed saints. Where he is a monastic, he is he's coming from that tradition, but he writes for the layman. And a lot of his writings, when you read his his a lot of the books dedicated to him. Are him dealing with 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 co- like common layman and, and going like there's one story where he basically smacks someone like what are you doing like no like just get it out of your head man like here's here's your rudimentary stuff like say the Jesus prayer do this do that like just 
keep it simple, stupid, and don't get involved in all the rest of it. Like that's for that's for a different class. Okay. Oh, I did want to say one more thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that was it. We only had one. Yeah, no, sorry. He does. Yeah. All right. No, all right. No. Later. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I'm calling that the LB button now. For now. <laughs> I don't even want to talk anymore. Oh well. Yeah. You see, well, you, well, you're doing so well me. before, right? Sorry. The, just, the a super chatterbox chat. of Cooper. You know, like Jesus Christ. Let him talk. Yeah. gonna do it so that uh super chat there how does the diet fit into an orthodox fast fast seem carb heavy yeah well our diet is pretty carb heavy like yeah it's pretty carb heavy that's that's not a big deal yeah that's like that's the thing that he's that he's he's like stereotyped as being like excessively carb heavy um so ray pete diabetes go carbs <laughs> yeah why yeah, is ray I'm, pete... still, I'm still trying well, to figure out what the hell is this ray pete okay you said so, it's, there's not a prescriptive diet right is this, is it because things he's more just like figure out what's right for you or are there at least generalizations avoid this eat this how, yes, Matt, how, how many calories are you eating nowadays on most days between 4,000 and 4,500 holy shit mm-hmm. and you're losing weight mm-hmm Wow, okay. I eat, I eat about thirty five hundred to four thousand a day. And, and Cooper I, and Cooper looks literally looks like like he's going to he's 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 part of the the the, the other realm. <laughs> and I've I've got probably eighty pounds on Cooper, seventy or eighty and pounds, and like six, six inches? inches. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that's and that's just his dick. <laughs> okay. That's right. What are you eating? So. So the 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 Ray Pete um, recommendations, generally speaking, is I'll say what what you shouldn't eat because it's probably a little bit easier. Mm. So um, obviously processed things just in general just aren't going to be good. Anything artificial colorings, flavors, dyes, yada, yada, yada. Um, more counterintuitive things would be he would generally recommend for someone who's dealing with some sort of an acute health issue whether it's digestive, neurological, dermatological, um, metabolic, any of these sorts of things, he would say you probably shouldn't eat um, most vegetables, um, especially green leafy ones. If you And if you do eat them, period, ever, no matter what your, health, your, your state of health, you should never eat them raw. You should eat them cooked, very well cooked, and ideally with a source of saturated fat. Same thing goes for most starches. So like complex carbohydrates, uh, like, uh, rice, potatoes, sweet potatoes, yams, cassava, those types of things. If you're dealing with an acute issue, whether it's digestive, again, digestive, metabolic, dermatological, neurological, any of these sorts of things, if you're in acute state of, 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 of unhealth, then you probably shouldn't be eating those, uh, the starches, the complex carbs. The reason for that is that they're slower and more difficult to digest. If you've been eating a lot of PUFAs, then like we said before, PUFAs are going to inhibit your digestive enzymes in your, in your, your stomach, in your digestive process. So your digestion is already going to be compromised. You're going to give it more complex stuff to digest. It's not going to be digested by the time it gets to your, the lower parts of your gut, which is where you almost certainly have bacterial overgrowths. And mm. what you need to do is starve those bacterial overgrowths, let them 
be purged out of you. So you ideally want to eat stuff that's digested before you, before it ever gets there. Mm. Um, so the, those would be like the three biggest things that Ray Pete would say you should avoid. Um, again, and those are all, you notice those are all contextual. They're not, I mean, except for the poofas, the poofas, you just, just should not eat. Um, everything else is, 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 is contextual. Um, because again, different people have different bodies. Some people don't have any problems with these things at all. Some people can't eat a a tomato without breaking out in rashes, you know? So, um, so then what, what would you eat on a typical Ray Pete style diet? It's going to be, um, a lot of dairy, uh, a lot of fruit, a lot of honey, uh, a lot of, um, uh, what else here? Uh, so meat, orange juice and coffee. Yeah. Orange juice. Um, uh, I'll say something about the orange juice and coffee here in a minute. Um, you don't necessarily drink them together, but I'll, I'll explain. Um, orange juice and coffee. I had a question about fruit too. So remind me, go ahead. Um, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, so with, with meat, um, he would recommend primarily ruminant meats. So, um, uh, cow, uh, deer, um, elk, bison, um, moose, like the the sheep. Yeah. The types those types of, of, of animals, the ones that have multiple stomachs. So they're, Mm -hmm. they're basically, if you want to get the nutrients from the plants, eat the things that eat the plants that are actually designed to digest them properly. Exactly. But when you eat those meats, what most people do is they, number one, they eat too much of it because you don't really need, they're so nutrient dense that you don't need that much. And they only eat the same cuts. So if you are only mm-hmm. muscle meat, then you're going to get the muscle meat actually has the most, it has the worst of the amino acids, the branch chain amino acids. The muscle meat has the highest concentration of the worst forms of it. And right. if you're only eating muscle meats, then you're not getting the full nutrient profile that the animal offers you. So you got to be like the Indians. You got to eat from, from nose to tail. Yeah. Well, that's um, what I heard because I've, I know several people who are really into this and they say, you know, the liver, the heart, the, like those yes. are the, the less tasty ones are the better ones and they'll have magnesium and all kinds of minerals. And that's where copper stuff like that, that's really mm-hmm. hard to obtain is all stored in the organs, not the muscles. There's this principle called like supports like, which is I've seen a ton of evidence for it that essentially if you're having difficulties with a particular organ of your body, then mm-hmm. eating that organ in other animals will improve it. So if you're having heart problems, eating heart will help yeah. you. And it's not crazy though. It's because if you think about it, okay, well the, the nutrients that are needed for that thing are probably going to be in that thing. Right. It's not complicated. Right. right? Like, so if you've got one. limp dick, then eat testicles <laughs> and I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm being serious. Um, <laughs> In terms of uh, okay, so fruits. What, tiger penis. So the Chinese were right. Just tiger penis. There you go. Everything. Yeah, that's just a little bit of tiger penis and everything. I was gonna say that's like an app. Now there, a tiger penis a day keeps a blue chew away. Just saying. Yeah. That's so my <laughs> my my fruit my fruit question is because again going back to what um, David was saying, and this has always been my approach is to just sort of look at what would be accessible in nature and what would be the amounts. And so mm-hmm. usually with fruits, they're sort of. Um, like they don't all grow on in the same acre, right? Like mm-hmm. you can have oranges in one area and avocados. I see people making a fruit smoothie and throwing blueberries in with bananas, in with apple, in with honey, in with orange juice and, and drinking two liters of it. I'm like that to me, that's always just been like 
really, like really, 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 really overworked. Whereas you could so be eating the, an apple a day. One that, of the, am I right there or, or am I just, you know, crazy? Let's do the fruits. Let's do uh, uh, apple juice. Sorry. Uh, let's do fruit, uh, orange juice and coffee. And then, and then Cooper, I'm going to get you in this conversation somehow. Uh, we're going to, you can ask about him Mike. about keto. No, yeah, we're, no, we're going to okay. talk about Mike, Mike Menser. Uh, no, we're not. We'll do a part two. Grandpa Cooper's no, getting no, sleepy. We are we are one fifteen. I've got my jammies on. You see, <laughs> he's wearing a onesie. <laughs> um, I need to. That looks like a cardigan to me. Oh, we lost him. Is that is that you or him, Jay? That that's, that's you. It's always me. It's always okay. Me. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. So so you're you're in it. There's there's truth to what you're saying. Um. One of the problems with most fruits that people eat is number one, they're going to be eating them out of season and they're going to be eating them either unripe or artificially ripened. Hmm. That's part of the mass production of, you know, like, you know, if, if I'm living in, like I lived in Washington for most of my life. If I get, if I go buy a watermelon in the middle of December in Washington, if they're even available then, I probably shouldn't eat that watermelon right. because number one, there's, there's, there's something to the, 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 the fact that my body knows that it's winter and my body knows that watermelons don't grow in the winter. Mm-hmm. So if I eat a watermelon, I'm sending a weird signal to my body. My body doesn't quite know what to do with it. Also, th- what it means is that that watermelon was picked when it was unripe and and it was right. shipped up, and then yeah. it was potentially artificially the the ripening process was artificially accelerated. The, none of those things are great. Now, especially if you live so, like I live in Texas, I lived in Southern California. There's abundant fruit year round all the time. You don't really have to think about any of this stuff. If you live up north, you live somewhere that, that where that's not the case. You have to think about this a little more. One sort of workaround with that is if you get frozen fruit, frozen fruit is generally frozen when it's ripe. And Mm. so it's generally picked closer to when it's ripe and then frozen when it's ripe. And so you can actually, that actually is a pretty good way of getting decent fruit. Um, Because fruit really is, is if there was a, a a core um, aspect of Ray Pete's dietary prescriptions, it would be dairy and fruit. Those would be the things that he would, he would recommend as like the, like fundamental nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does make sense. I mean, they are sort of like the easiest, purest way to just get nutrients, right? Like right. you go to the tree, you take it off. Same thing, dairy, right? Well, eggs, it's, eggs, it's milk, also, eggs, milk, honey, and, and apples. And you're, it's right, also like, you just it's, it's nature and it's nature encouraging to eat a thing. Like fruit right. is literally the thing. The thing is like, we plant right here. Thing going, eat this. Yeah. No, really eat it. I need you to eat it. I'm making it as juicy and as beautiful and as awesome as possible. So you eat this so you can shed out the seeds somewhere and propagate this this plant somewhere. Like it's, man it's, was created and placed in a garden. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's and yeah. then fruit. And then the promised land where God took his chosen people was milk described honey, as a right. land flowing in milk and honey. I don't think that these things are coincidences. Right. Well, and who was the guy who lived on? Uh, I mean, go <laughs> to the, the the our beautiful thumbnail of eat the pods. Um, I believe it was the the apostle John who ate locusts and honey. Mm-hmm. Is that John the ba- John the Baptist? I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Right, right. 
and uh, nothing wrong with eating the bugs if you're doing it. Uh, well, the the locusts that he ate were actually not bugs. I don't think. I'm trying to okay. remember what they actually were. I think that they were seed pods. Oh, See, there we go. I, mean, I knew it. I, I was channeling the holy scriptures. Jay, eats the bugs. Oh. If you want to get get um, stuff out of Cooper with related to dietary stuff, get him talking about uh, about keto, about the keto diet, and um, his conversion uh, away from that. Well, okay, I think because I've done that many times, and I think I think fasting keto. I think ketoism is just narcissism in a dietary form. Discuss. Hmm. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> Here's a prompt. Discuss. Really, dude. Awful, I, you mean entertain? Entertain, please. Yeah, it's just you know, it's. it's I, I know Cooper. You don't get invited on to many podcasts. It's it's amazing. Why not? Um, okay, I don't really like him. okay, so so let me let me see if I can let me see if I can this, propose this, a better this, question. This part of the, the part of the process of being a guest on a podcast is talking. It's an amazing process. It's 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 the actual talking. That's... You invited me, dude. I okay, know. so keto is 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 ketosis bullshit. Right, if, I'll throw my understanding at you. Tell me if if it's crazy or not. But uh, yeah, I've done it before, but never for a long period. Basically, what, the idea, what I was told, is that when you stop eating carbs, your body changes the way it metabolizes energy and will start pulling energy out of fat after so many yeah. hours without carbohydrates. Yeah. Is there something wrong with that? Is that correct? Is it bad? That is correct. Uh, that does work. Here's what's I guess wrong with it, or is there something bad about? Okay. Yes. What is bad? Is okay. Is stress bad? Is chronic stress bad for you? Yes. That's okay. How does your body liberate fat to burn it? By spiking cortisol. Stress. So if you're chronically huh. stressing yourself, yeah, that's gonna. This is why people who do keto long term after like eight months to a year just crash and burn. Interesting. Okay. That's, I, I think. Never... Okay. Maybe there's some utility in doing it for short periods, and I. I, I did keto for about a year, mm. um, but that is yeah, that's a problem. And, and what does it what does it what does it produce the cortisol to? Like, what is the actual mechanism of what is the cortisol doing when it's produced? Like liberating fat. Well, how do, and how, how is it doing that? Lipolysis. Yes. What what are the what are the mechanics of what what's happening when your body is when you're not getting sufficient glucose in your diet, so your body is spiking cortisol to obtain energy through gluconeogenesis? Jesus. Okay. You mean like shredding your muscles? Yes. Okay. Really? Uh, yes. huh. See? See? Yes. Okay. Okay. Stop, rewind and, and go over that whole little thing again. Okay. It's Actually, don't hear here, okay. understand it. Here's the thing. Two things. First of all. Uh, Cooper, can you please tell tell them to put the put the lotion on, on the on the on them, or they get the, or get the hose? Um, I feel like this is a very Buffalo Bill kind of look for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I kind of like it. <laughs> for audio I listeners, where, I didn't get it. For, for audio me. listeners, you, you you're gonna have to check the video to figure this out. Just just put the lotion on, or put the lotion in the basket, or it gets hose. What's that uh, song? Actually, like White Horses? Is that the name of the I, song? I, I wouldn't put it past Cooper to He's tuck like his dancing. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, he kind of kind of looks like a Dick Tuck kind of guy. Um, I love it when Cooper dances. <laughs> so do the ladies. This is getting so homoerotic. It's crazy. Okay, um, but you okay. said lotion. Uh, 
we're going to wrap this up soon, but one of the big things that I've take away from this sort of mental download from all Ray Pete stuff in general and dietary stuff in general is this idea of stress eating, right? Stressed food or being in stress and that creating, creating certain hormones that are, that are also influencing your body. And that seems to be tied to seed oils. That seems to be tied to PUFAs, seems to be tied to all these other, all these other instances. So a lot of people's mental anxieties and all these other outcroppings of mental disease. And I would put forward transgenderism and all the, a lot of other, uh, social problems we're having directly ties down to our food. It's not some grand conspiracy like they're putting flo- like there's fluoride in the water. <laughs> I have a three year old, folks. Um, she's she's watching play school. This is okay. Anyway. Um, but but uh, cortisol is something that I really want to understand because it's like it seems to be this nexus point of inflammation, anxiety, depression all these different kind of conditions that all come out of one stress hormone. So Cooper, after you're, after, after you're done uh, creating your skin suit, can you, please, can you please expand on the cortisol issue? Well, it's not just because one, one hormone being cortisol, because if cortisol is high, you have other hormones that are also high, that are also stress hormones that are kind of like a corollary, that being like estrogen, uh, adrenaline, serotonin, things of that sort. And also, uh, on the other side of the coin, the kind of the, the hormones that you want high, you know, testosterone, thyroid, things of this sort, those are going to be low. Hmm. Um, anything you want to add to that, Matt? Yeah, from our, uh, so we, we, we have the nutrition and, and, uh, fitness coaching program. We mentioned that we, um, we wrote an absurd amount of, of this stuff down, um, into a program packet that, that then, uh, uh, whenever like our clients join the program, none of them actually read the stuff that we wrote there, which is <laughs> probably should have known. And then that. they ask us a bunch yeah. of questions yeah. that they would you know, <laughs> that have had answered if they had read the program documents that we wrote for them and yeah. sent them. In- insulting your, your user base is always a good idea. Just yes. Like- it's real dude, low end of the bell curve. Yeah. yeah. So for some Thank- reason we just we just try. <laughs> you, gotta, you have to you have thankfully, to give them a your, test your, first. Thankfully, your Ooh. parasocial uh, 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 grouping, I, which I, I am included in, by the way, uh, <laughs> is, is like sort of self hating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're optimizing for the masochists. Yeah. <laughs> so if you too want to be publicly insulted and abused, then come join our program. <laughs> well, so why don't you? Why don't you? Here's do some a bit stage. Of a- Beat yourself with this stage. It's no, it's all very, it's very Russian. Don't worry about it. So why don't you give a bit of a plug right now? Because I, I, I do know at least one person I'd like to recommend it to. Is something only online, or is this something you guys do in person? What's the? Uh, well, I mean, the if service? there's okay, wait, wait, wait. Here, here's yeah, there... okay, let's let's do this. Let's do this properly because this will get clipped. This will get put into a short. So give me your 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 one minute ad ad read or one minute pitch. Uh, I will start doing ad reads for you guys as soon as I get the ad read that I've asked for like about a month ago. But, you know, oh, uh, yeah, I understand. Well. I understand Cooper's busy making skin suits. Uh, Matt's <laughs> Matt's busy growing hair or whatever the hell he does. Uh, <laughs> he grows hair. But but here here you go. OK, we're going to do a countdown on, on three. Give us your one minute because this will be put into a short. OK, one, two, three. Go. Okay, so our program, Fuck. our website is <laughs> our website is is thirdpositionnutrition.com. That's three R D positionnutrition.com. 
our ideal client is a guy who's probably somewhere in the 25 to 45 year old range who is relatively new to strength training uh, and has struggled with motivation, fears of being injured, plateauing, not knowing how to get beyond his plateaus, doesn't have time to work out, um, and or guys who are struggling with brain fog, low energy, low motivation, uh, sexual dysfunction, even a lot of these things can all be attributed, tied back to a lot of the same sources. Um, the program that we have is relatively, uh, well, it's actually quite unique specifically because the strength training part of it, uh, can be accomplished in less than 40 minutes a week. Uh, so it's perfect for people who have busy schedules because really if you're strength training the proper way, you, you shouldn't actually be lifting more often than 40 minutes a week. That's, that's all it takes to, to build muscle most efficiently. Um, so we have the, the, the most efficient form of strength training paired with proper nutrition. That's actually going to improve your metabolism and, uh, and enable you to build the gains to go, go, to go with the strength training program. Um, and then we have an accountability aspect to it as well, which is probably the most important part where you get a personal coach where your coach, you can be able to text them 24 seven. Um, they're going to, uh, you're going to, they're going to help you through, uh, getting over hurdles, getting through plateaus, working around injuries, all that sort of thing, keeping you motivated, getting you to get off the couch and go work out all the sorts of things that, um, like in a, a typical Olympic athlete, you, you see, his, he's just like, oh, I've got this workout plan and I, this is what I eat for my diet. But what he never shows you is this whole team of nutritionists and trainers right. and stuff that are always working with him. So yeah. you're like, oh, I'm going to go do the, 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 the workout program that the Olympic athlete does and I'm going to look like him. Well, not if you don't have the accountability there to, to help you through it. So that's the, the gist of the program. Um, I'll add uh, if you're <clears throat> good, I'll add to that. Uh, at the personal coach for the time being that's me um and all of the fitness programs are going to be specifically tailored to the individual so based off of where you're at what you're doing what you can do what you can't do what you've got if you don't have anything uh, you you know it's just you in your basement i'll build you a body weight program um if you got a gym membership great burpees 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 now burpees are useless. Um, <laughs> if you got, I don't know, some kettlebells lying around, I'll use those. So I just want to throw that in there as well, that all of the fitness protocols are specifically tailored to the individual and built. They're, they're custom cool. built by me. And if you don't like cardio, if you don't like running or good, doing me neither. jacks or whatever, good, because it's gay and you shouldn't do it. It's not good for you and uh, you don't need it. Shout out Kyle Carroll. You're muted, Jason. One you shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> oh your guys's love like, affair is almost as good as cooper's and mine it's like he forgets i have the button <laughs> he probably prefers this i'll be surprised if he's still there when you bring him back <laughs> well you know uh so we were uh you'd asked about cortisol mark did you you want me to i to don't remember that? Uh, stress hormone. Yeah. This conversation, this honestly, this conversation could be can be, could be a fifteen part series. Uh, yeah, I think we could go for a while with Jason's clarity of focus. It, you know, fifty part. Never be derailed. You know, I love this man, and I don't know why. I just sometimes it's 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 because he, it's the attractiveness. I'm so smart and charming. We'll bring Cooper back for the for the, for the outro. Oh, fuck.
<laughs> yes, I did time that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you for the Super Chats. Thank you for paying attention and recommending us. Guys, we've had this amazing growth. Uh, it's been insane. I looked at our last year numbers from October of, the, of yeah, don't do it. this time last year where we were struggling to get 35 views and now we we, we, we find like if it's under 500, we're like, what? Um, uh, I, I can't I can't express my gratitude enough. Uh, uh, thanks thank to everyone you, Matt, like you guys you, for coming you, on and making the show what it is. Honestly, uh, all of you, uh, I, I you know, even if I give you a hard time, I love you. Uh, hey, let's thanks, do a uh, let's do a part two. We'll actually talk mentor because that's something I can't no no exactly we'll, sure. we'll we will do a part two. Some conspiracy uh, there as well. We will we will find time to do it. Um, this is all leading up to uh, Alex Jones, friend or fed, uh, coming up in November third. Uh, we'd like to have you guys on, uh, except for me. It's Cooper, be a good you know, one. Talking is actually required with friend or fed. Um, guys, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you. Love you each and every one of you. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Peace.